Hello everyone and welcome to the NFNL podcast here for episode 13 of the 2021 season. It is great to be back. Of course, we had a, a bit of a break in the competition, unfortunately, due to the most recent lockdown across Melbourne. But it is fantastic to have competitions resuming once again. And it was great to be back at the football and netball over the course of the weekend, albeit in, again, a, a different capacity with, unfortunately, no spectators able to be there. But great to have the players back out there. Josh Ward, uh, thank you for joining me again for this week's episode. And like I said, it's not still ideal conditions given the fact that there are still some pretty heavy restrictions still in place, but nice to have competitions resuming once again. Yes, hello Samuel. It was great to have competitions resume across the entire Northern Football Netball League. It was there were some pretty interesting games across the entire across the entire league as well, and uh, there's some massive games coming up this weekend. Yeah, it certainly is uh, shaping as a, as a huge weekend. We start the first of our finals, of course, starting with the Mervac Division One Women's Final Series, which begins on Sunday. A quadruple header, which we'll get to later in the program. First time that I can recall four games in the one day. Uh, <laughs> of course, it is a top eight final series, meaning there's two qualifying finals as well as two elimination finals. Uh, this weekend in Mervac Division 1 Women's. The remainder of the uh, women's competitions will actually play their final round this weekend before beginning finals next week but uh, already at that pointy end of the year so we're looking forward to that and we certainly will cast our eye over that. There's big action coming across the three senior men's football competitions and netball resumed on Friday night which means that they're getting uh, towards their latter stages of the season. Now given how we've come back into uh, the, the thicker things that netball finals have, have all been pushed back to allow for more games to be played it has been an, a probably more interrupted uh, start to the year for netball, given there were weeks as well where mm-hmm. football was back in a full capacity in netball. We had still restrictions on how many games could be played, so it's good that now they're able to, to make those games up in the back end, and, and by pushing the final series back, we get a, a more uh, elongated season, which is, I think, a, a good result for, for everyone involved. This weekend, uh, first off, from a, a, a theme round point of view, it is the rescheduled TAC and AFL Victoria Road Safety Round. Of course, that was scheduled to be played two weeks ago. Unfortunately, that had to be uh, rescheduled due to the first week of of the lockdown that we just experienced. So this weekend, we're certainly looking forward to, to all our clubs being involved in the TAC Road Safety Round. Uh, that will involve over 1,200 football and netball clubs right around Metro and Regional Victoria this weekend, banding together uh, in support of the TAC and making roads and, and drivers safer out there throughout the Victorian community. So it will involve more than 400,000 400, uh, players uh, from a football and netball perspective getting involved, um, donning the, the new look armband, which we spoke about in the, the previous mm-hmm. podcast. Of course, uh, unfortunately, that, that round didn't go ahead at the time, but all of uh, all the, the major messaging behind wearing the, the, the armbands this weekend is to uh, for everyone to show their commitment to, to road safety and eliminating deaths and serious injuries on our roads. So uh, this year is the, the 30th year, uh, Mark's 30th uh, year of, of partnership between the TAC and AFL Victoria. And it's great to have all the, the community leagues uh, and, and clubs supporting a great cause. We saw the Towards Zero campaign in 2019. Uh, this year, it's more about a, a broader message about uh, just being safer out there on the roads as well 
well. So, like we said in the past, when when you you look at a player or an official this weekend who's wearing the the blue armband, just think about why why they're wearing that. And uh, I know the clubs have been fantastic in in promoting the cause and also getting the messaging out out there through their social media campaigns as as well. So, um, TAC a, a great uh, partner of of grassroots sport, and obviously from everyone's perspective, it's uh, it's critical that we we all do our part to ensure there's uh, safer roads and, and safer drivers out there. So this mm. weekend, certainly uh, we're all enc- encouraging everyone to, to get behind that and what should be a, a great uh, weekend of, of football and netball. So um, from TAC Road Safety Round this week, we might just quickly look back at, uh, at what went on uh, the weekend before because that probably shapes yeah. what happens going forward. But um, from a Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 standpoint... We saw five games in action. Unfortunately, there were more one-sided games than we would have hoped for. There were a mm. few games that uh, the final margin was was in excess of 100 points. The closest game, though, was played at Montmorency Park. And Montmorency got the jump on Whittlesey, kicked the opening four goals, led by, I think it was 25 points at quarter time. And mm. thereafter, it unraveled for the Magpies for Whittlesey, a fantastic second win of the campaign. But it has huge ramifications for for what happens with Montmorency going forward, and, and whether they now play finals this year. Yeah, it's their biggest loss of the season, I say, for Montmorency. Yeah, they'd been they'd been the bottom two or three sides with these earlier on in the year, and it's particularly after that the Bulldogs lost as well to Greensboro on the day as well. And um, full credit to Whittlesea, though they they'd shown promise throughout the whole year, throughout the break. They didn't get in, any wins before in between the two COVID breaks, but uh, this game it just shows their progress and. Paul Higgins as well, that's a tremendous game, seven goals. Montmorency aren't the best defence, but he's transformed himself superbly from being such a terrific rebounding defender into being a superstar of a key forward. Yeah, well, he kicked seven goals in in the win to to Dan Mont at the weekend, kicked six as well when they beat North Heidelberg earlier in the year, so he's Mm. had a profound impact in in both of those wins. As you say, for Montmorency, they're, they're... Biggest loss for the year, I guess, in terms of the the importance of it. Had they won, they may well have jumped inside the top five as it currently stands. They're they're outside by a win and also a percentage of 1.66 behind North Heidelberg. So it has huge ramifications. A a win would have changed everything and probably would have put them in the box seat to play finals footy. So now with um, the top five, it's not set. And the reason I say that is over the the final three weeks of the season, a lot of those top five sides and top six sides actually play against each other. So there's obviously going to be games uh, where we can't have two winners in in a game. So therefore, it's going to uh, be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Even though... Heidelberg, for example, at the weekend had a, a really big win and, and further bolster their percentage. They're looking pretty uh, in, in fourth, but uh, just given that they've got a tough run home as well, you just never know until we get to that final week of the season. But mm. if we were to look exclusively to Montmorency and North Heidelberg, as I said, the one game separates those two sides. Montmorency finishes with uh, uh, the season with, firstly, a trip to Ben Freelay Oval this weekend to take on Hurstbridge, who are on the rebound after a pretty poor loss the weekend. Then they travel to DeWinton Park to play McLeod. Maybe the benefit for Montmorency is McLeod's loss at the weekend probably puts them out of the finals picture as to whether they've still got the same hunger, given that Montmorency will be playing for a spot in the finals. It's unlikely McLeod would be. And then they finish at home against the reigning Premier and top of the table, West Preston Lakeside. So the two more winnable games are away. When they get back to their home deck, they are taking on the side that's been all-conquering for the best part of three seasons. From a North Heidelberg standpoint, in terms of uh, positioning on ladder, they've got a tougher run home, but two games are at home. So this weekend, they're at home to Heidelberg. They then back up with a home game against Whittlesey, 
and then it's uh, the season concludes with a trip to Bandura. Of course, Bandura potentially playing for a top three spot by the time uh, that final round rolls around. So that's not an easy fixture at all. Having said that, just with where things sit in Montmorency losing at the weekend, maybe, well, you, you definitely want to win all three to ensure your spot. Two wins likely gets the dogs in. One might do, depending on what other results are. So it's going to be a, a really interesting uh, look as to how, how the season unfolds for both Montmorency and North Heidelberg from here. Another of the key talking points out of the weekend, Josh, was Ahmed Saad. And a couple of weeks layoff, and he's straight back to his best 11 goals in a huge win over Hurst Bridge. It's an unbelievable performance. I say for two, there's two types of star players. There's the freakish and consistently good players. He's both. He's freakish and consistent week in, week out. Second time in a, in a, in a game, he's kicked 10 plus goals. The last time was against the, te- was against the team that the Roosters played this week, Bandura, in the 2018 se- first semi-final. We talked about, we talked about off air how he deserved so much more opportunities at the AFL level, but it's, it, Despite the fact he doesn't get that much opportunity at the AFL level, it benefits us the more, more and Roosters and the Northern Football Netball League in yeah, general. Yeah, incredible. And and what's incredible at the weekend was that if you looked at his record against Hurstbridge in 2019, he only kicked one goal across the two games. And, and this time around, mm-hmm. he's had an absolute field day and it, it coincided with the Roosters having their, their biggest win for, for quite some time. Uh, it was all one-way traffic in, in that triumph over Hurstbridge, uh, winning it in, by an excess of 100 points. Um this weekend, they've got a, a great showdown. They take on Bandura. It's first versus second. It's at Yulong Reserve. And we were looking forward to having Ahmed Saad at one end and Sam Lloyd at the other. But that's not going to take place now because, unfortunately, Sam Lloyd might have suffered what, uh, what could well be a season-ending arm injury, which is a huge shame, obviously, from a Bandura point of view because he is... Obviously, one of their, their main signings this year. He's been in outstanding form throughout 2021. But it's a shame for, I guess, the entire competition because you want to see the best players out there consistently, but also you want to see them when we get to, to finals footy as well. And mm. as it stands now, with, with that injury that uh, Sam Lloyd suffered, it's, I mean, there's a chance maybe late in the year that we see him, but as it currently stands, uh, we're not uh, probably not holding our breath in, in that regard. So, uh, unfortunately for Sam Lloyd, but it does open the, the door potentially for another former AFL player <laughs> and NFNL superstar to, to make his way back into the Bulls senior lineup. Yeah, the Sam Lloyd loss, as you said, it's a massive blow, not just for the Bulls, but for the entire Northern Football Nepal League. I was super excited to see that Lloyd and Saad matchup. That is, that's a matchup for the ages, I would have thought. And uh, if, I, I think it's 50-50 for, for Gary Moorcroft coming in. I reckon they'll bring him in because when you kick 24 goals in four games in the reserves, you know you don't, you know you belong in the seniors and don't belong. But they could bring in one player they could bring in is a younger fresher legs, Jason Panham. He hasn't been in the best of forms in recent week, but has kicked 19 goals in 12 games. He's been Bandura Reserve's second top scorer, but I think they'll bring in Gary Moorcroft yeah. this week. Well, it's uh, it's amazing timing, isn't it? To, to, they get Moorcroft back after the, the first lockdown. He, of course, had uh, retired from the Bulls. Did um, was going to venture out and play for for Bright this season. Obviously, with uh, mm-hmm. the way this year's kind of panned out, similar to last year, it's been a bit uh, harder to to make travel and and now to to get him back and maybe what a time to to bring him back in. Could he add another chapter in what's already a a, a, a fantastic tale of of his career uh, right throughout football, but also with the Bulls, where he's a three time Premiership winner and, and and had some heroic moments on the final stage as well. So that's a, a big game this weekend with. Of course, Bandura hosting West Preston Lakeside, first versus second. 
on the eve of the final series. I think everyone's looking forward to that one. And in other results across the weekend, Greensborough took another step forward in their push for a top three finish. They've still got plenty of work to do, but they ran rampant over North Heidelberg, particularly in the last quarter. Three points up at halftime and then run away to win that game there by uh, in excess of nine goals. So a nine-goal final term um, did the damage. They added to their percentage, which was probably a key thing as well. And that's twice this year now. Actually, three times in a row, they've really got a hold of North Heidelberg when you, when you also include the, the 2019... Oh, sorry. Yes, it was the 2019 yeah. second semi-final where they won that one by, I think, just under 100 points. We saw what happened earlier in the year as well, back mm-hmm. in round seven. So um, they've got a really good record now against the Dogs and, and are proving hard to beat. And like I said, uh, Heidelberg, uh, getting a win over Northcote Park by a big margin and despite Sam Lloyd going down early uh, Bandura was uh, far too good for McLeod winning that game there and uh, by seven goals and good to see yeah, one of the young forwards John Jorgensen um, he kicked another bag I think it was five I think he kicked four in a row at uh, one stage of that game as well so he was uh, in uh, in rare yeah. form but obviously now to play alongside Sam Lloyd it's uh, one great thing now an opportunity to, to play alongside potentially Gary Moorcroft as well mm-hmm. that'll only advance uh, his development as well so uh, a big weekend uh, that just went by in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 and we're certainly hoping that things are a bit closer this weekend when <laughs> uh, when we get to, to the five games in, uh, in MC Labor Division 2 the finals race well, it couldn't be any more entertaining, could it, uh, at this point of the season? We've only got two rounds to go there, of course, at the weekend. We did complete round 16, and as it currently stands, a fortnight out from the finals, really, you'd say that there's no spot inside the top five that's been cemented at this point of, uh, of the campaign. I know it has been a shortened year for, for obvious reasons, but Banyul and Lowell Plenty still deadlocked on the same amount of points, and percentage is all that separates first from second between those two. And then if you look a little bit further down the ladder, all the way from Thomas down in third, down to Mary's actually in sixth, there's only one game separating those those sides as the, really the race now heats up well and truly for a, a finals place. Of course, it is a top five final series this year. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's been fun to watch MC Labor Division Two this year, and it's going to be fun to watch these last two weeks as well. And who will finish where in the top of the ta- in in the top five this season? The game we covered, Banyol and Eltham, that was almost a finals like game, despite the high scoring. It was very fun to watch, and uh, of course, you'll sp- speak with Paul Harris later on in the podcast about how he felt about the win and about the next couple of weeks as well. But um, I have a feeling the ladder will probably stay the same, except maybe Eltham will go up to third because Thomastown, they face Banyol this weekend. That's a massive game down at Beverly Road Oval. They have to win that one. And if they win that one, you'd think that third place and potentially first place would be sealed up. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at uh, how things have unfolded for, I guess, um, those sides, Eltham, They've lost five games this year, so they currently sit in fourth spot. That's equal with Diamond Creek and St. Mary's who are directly below. But all their losses are by really small margins. So they've, they, they would believe, yet to the final series, that if you know, they're at their best, they can actually top, top all the sides that are above them. We've seen them lose early mm. in the season to Lowell Plenty by a goal. Their two losses to Banyul have been by 11 points and 6 points. And to Thomastown, they've lost by 11 points and also 8 points. The query is, though, Yes, it's good to get close to those sides, but ultimately, that you want to be beating those sides. So they, they'll head into the mm. final series, even if they do get into third, which, as it currently stands, their percentage is far superior to uh, what Thomas Towns is. So Thomas Towns going to have to win and finish a, a win clear of Altham. And as you say, they do have Banyul this weekend. So that's going to be a really tough one uh, for the Bears. If we just look at uh, their, their two games uh, to, to come this uh, from, from this week, it's, it's Banyul 
away, followed by St. Mary's at home. And uh, from an Altham point of view, it's a bit more straightforward. They play the bottom two sides in the Fitzroy Stars and Epping. Actually, in the other order, it's Epping than the Fitzroy Stars, both mm-hmm. of which are at Altham Central Park. So it's hard to see Altham losing uh, either of those two. Funny things can happen, of course, but it's hard mm-hmm. to see them dropping either, which really makes it uh, a case for Thomastown. They'll have to win both games. Obviously, if, if Altham wins both, it takes... Um, both Diamond Creek and St Mary's out of the equation when we're talking top three. Of course, those two both have a heap to play for for a top five spot and Mm -hmm. that's really going to heat up because at the weekend, St Mary's just got over the line against the Fitzroy Stars, probably closer than what we probably anticipated going in, but importantly, they got the 20-point win and uh, for Diamond Creek, they were... Disappointing, no match at all for Lowell Plenty. Never really in the game and, and trailed from go to bow there. So if we were to look at the top three, we probably... Well, obviously, it's a matter of Banyul and Lowell Plenty as to which one finishes first. Mm. This week for Thomastown, they have to beat Banyul in order to, to probably finish top three. But the fact that Banyul's got so much to play for, given they have to keep winning to get first spot as well, it, mm. it just means that this every game's got so much <laughs> riding on it. It's almost impossible to, to try and come up with the, the final equation as to how it'll all, uh, all stand in, in two weeks' time. Definitely, and uh, that'll be an exciting game down at Beverly Road Oval. All those, every game between Banyol and Thomastown is always so close and a bit and high scoring as well. It could be, a, it could be. It, it's going to be season-defining for either one of those teams. Absolutely, you're right. And particularly when they play at Beverly Road Oval, it's, it's strange things happen when those two sides play. Of course, the most recent game at the venue between the two teams ended up with a, a winter banual after the siren, courtesy of a goal to, to Devin McDonald. Mm-hmm. So um, just on the on the, the talk about the, the fifth spot, um, as it currently stands, Diamond Creek fifth. They've got the Fitzroy Stars away this weekend followed by Watsonia away. So they're going to start favourite in both of those games, but neither's at home. And for St Mary's, it's a much tougher equation. They're at home to Lowell Plenty this week, and then away to Thomastown, both of which are opposition currently in the top three, but obviously with plenty of incentive to win as well. So St Mary's, as it currently stands, they're the outsider, but at the same time, if eight is in their own hands, if they're good enough to, to win, win the games ahead of them. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll wait to see how that all unfolds. And I think we also have to uh, give a kudos to Epping because they notched their second win of the season. And in a high-scoring game as well, they uh, booted 147 points. So it was a, a, a shootout against uh, Panton Hill. They got up by 40 points. They did have a host of key players that came back into the lineup, which always helps with the likes of Jai Baddeley, Kelly, Alec Buchan, and, and Lee Judd back into the lineup. Mm. Dallas Taylor, he booted eight goals as well. So for Epping, the wins have been few this year, it has to be said, but they, they get their second win. And uh, I guess it's always nice towards it, what's been a tough campaign to, to be able to have, have, be able to celebrate a, a victory after what's been um, a difficult season on the field. Yeah, and it's a massive confidence booster for them heading into next season as well because there's obviously no relegation for the top two divisions, but uh, it just gives them confidence knowing that they could somehow stay in MC Labor Division 2 yet again. As we move now to Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, and uh, we talk about log jams in, in second division, well it's really no different in, in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, and the weekend didn't really do too much to, I guess, even sides out or, or potentially give us an indication as to what could come in the final two rounds of the season as we mm-hmm. push towards final. so as it looks now... We do have two rounds of footy left in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, and the latter has South Morang on top. There are 11 wins and one loss. A game and percentage clear of Lorimer in second, who are 10-2. and two. The percentage differential is a tick over 15%. So South Morang looking pretty confident that they'd finish in, in first spot at the latter. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very least, they could only slip to second. So Lorimer, 10-2. and two. Then Kilmore is third, nine wins, three losses. 
and uh, they're obviously still well in the picture for, for second spot as well because they've got a better percentage than Lorimer by 3%. And then, obviously, it's a battle between two for the fourth spot. Old Altham Collegian, seven wins, five losses, a percentage of 126, and Heidelberg West in fifth, six wins, six losses, a percentage of 112.81. So we're still, if we were to... Uh, say that South Moraine would finish first. We've still got a battle for, for second spot between Lorimer and Kilmore and then for fourth spot between Old Altham Collegians and, and Heidelberg West. And if we were to try and uh, envisage what might play out from here, if we just looked at, I guess, the sides I have coming up, it's it's going to be really tough to, to figure it all out because Lorimer plays South Moraine in the final game of the season, which could mm. be an early preview of the, the second semi-final, but they could well drop that and then all of a sudden Kilmore leapfrogs them on the ladder and it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting picture with with two rounds to go, which is exactly what you want in any uh, in any football competition. Definitely is. It's also going to be fun to see these last two weeks as well. The bottom two division, Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three and MC Labor Division Two, have all been so tight throughout the whole year as well. Um, South Morang, obviously, you said they'll come first. Um, for fourth, I do see Heidelberg West finishing fourth. Sadly, for you Turtles fans out there, I do feel for the Turtles. They've had a terrific season. They've grown a long way from their first season in 2019. But the Hawks, they just have an easier run home. Yeah. And um, in second place as well, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the power as well. Kilmore, they have an easy fixture, yes, but I have a slight feeling they could, they're they playing at JJ Clancy against Old Eltham Collegians, but I just have that slight feeling Old Eltham will get on top of them. It would um, be interesting. Never know. It will be interesting. If that was the case and that happened, then Heidelberg West would have to rely on percentage to, to jump uh, Old Eltham. Obviously, yeah. if, they, if they get one win at the minimum in the last two weeks, if they win both the Turtles, well, they're clearly through. So um, just to give an understanding of uh, who each side plays in these uh, these final uh, two weeks and what makes the picture so tricky is that uh, it's trying to, to decipher those 50-50 games as to how they might pan out. Mm. Um, maybe none more so than if we look at, at Lorimer's run home from here. Um, this weekend it's a, a game against Layla, but then as I said, that's at home and then it's a, a a game against South Morang, which is, is going to be decisive. From a Kilmore perspective, it's Mernda away this week. Mernda certainly in improved form, so that's somewhat of a danger game. And then it's Old Altham Collegians, who they'll play at home, but the Turtles are obviously playing for a final spot in that last round as well. So Kilmore have work to do if they are to, to try and jump in the second spot. And then when we talk about the race for, for fourth, Old Altham Collegians away to South Morang this week, then away to Kilmore. So that's definitely a tough run. For Heidelberg West, they've got the most straightforward run of the uh, or the more straightforward run, I should say, given they uh, travelled to Reservoir this week. And then they're at home to Moonda. But as I said, Moonda's in improved form now. Mm-hmm. And um, they've won back-to-back games for the first time this year. So they'll be looking at least to disrupt the uh, the finals picture as uh, as we get closer and closer to finals action in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. We talked from the outset that uh, finals start this weekend and they begin in Mervac Division 1 women's. We will have a, a chat uh, a little bit later in the program to Warren Harris. Uh, he's Montmorency one side has uh, qualified for the double chance in Mervac Division 1 women's. Mm. Of course, as we said also from the outset, it's only the top flight that plays finals this week. The other two uh, women's divisions will play finals in two weeks' time. But, uh, yeah, fantastic to have uh, four games of footy on the one day. Unfortunately, as we said from the outset, there won't be crowds uh, uh, able to, to go into the games this weekend, which is a, we all acknowledge is, uh, is difficult and uh, not mm. the ideal scenario. But uh, hopefully uh, this is the only week uh, for the remainder of the season, we have to encounter such uh, such restrictions. So the games will all be live streamed on the NFNL Facebook page. But this weekend, it's 
two qualifying finals. Uh, they see first versus fourth and second versus third. So you've got the old rivalry between the Diamond Creek women's and Darabin, which is always a, a great encounter. That's first versus fourth. That's the last mm. game of the day, which begins at 3 p.m. Uh, prior to that, at 1 p.m., it is second versus third, Montmorency versus Greensboro. So in both of those games, same, follows the same structure as the AFL final series. So the winner progresses straight through to a preliminary final. So it means a week off next week. The loser has the double chance and goes into a semi-final next week. And then the two elimination finals, which actually start the day, um, at mm-hmm. 9 o'clock, Lower Plenty up against Altham. That's 6th versus 7th. And then that's followed by VU Western Spurs versus Bandura, 5th versus 8th. Great to see Bandura sneaking at the weekend. And mm-hmm. if we look at the weekend's results, there were a couple of games that had a major impact on, on the final standings and, and how we got to this top eight. Yeah, the two biggest results of the weekend, Montmorency beating VU Western Spurs and Bandura beating Heidelberg as well. I was down at the VU versus Montmorency game. It was a, it was a great game of football for three quarters, but it was brilliant by Montmorency, particularly by their defense they defended so well against such a such a good attack as well but uh their defense like, like the likes of Megan Allen their kept their captain Madison Basil it it was just real it was just brilliant on the weekend it's a massive results for the Magpies ahead of finals and uh gives them a massive confidence booster that they that they can make the pre- preliminary final and who knows maybe a grand final as well it's also a great win for Bandura it'll enhance their recognition as a club because it's their first division one finals in women's and uh it enhances their recognition because of how well the men men's are doing especially after they had a disappointing season in 2019, the men's but and of and the women's as well. But it enhances their recognition potentially as a destination club for players in the next in the next couple of years. Yeah, so a big game for them. Then certainly it's going to be a challenge. VU Western Spurs, the reigning premier, who um, you know when when obviously you look at the form, the top five have probably had a, a bit of a gap on on the rest in that competition. But for Bandura, mm. an opportunity to play off in a in a finals game on the Spurs will. They're defending their premiership and they're going to have to do it the long way now as a result of that loss against Montmorency at the weekend to, to defend the premiership. They'll have to win four consecutive finals. So we saw West Preston Lakeside do it in 2019 and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's strange things have happened, but for the Spurs certainly have to take the, the long route now into, into playing finals football. So, so this weekend, as we mentioned, that's the finals for the, for the women's uh, in Division 1, but uh, in Mervac Division 2 women's and in D- Division 3 women's as well, the final round. So um, probably um, the... the as it stands, top six finals, so it's not so much about missing out on finals and whatnot, but uh, probably the biggest game coming up uh, this weekend is in uh, of the home and away games in second division, Montmorency and St Mary's meet. That's top two in Mervac Division 2 women's. It does have ramifications. They play a top six uh, final series, which means first and second have a week off the first week, progress straight through to the preliminary final, and, and then from there you just have to win one game to make a grand final. But for St Mary's, if they lose, they've got Diamond Creek women's snapping at their heels. So it means if St Mary's was to lose the weekend against the undefeated Magpies and Diamond Creek women's win, they would actually switch places between uh, second and third. So plenty for the borough to play for, but if they do lose, they're then relying on Darabin beating Diamond Creek women's uh, to ensure they finish second. So that's uh, a, a mm-hmm. bit to play out there. And uh, if we look at the, the netball front, uh, we'll have a lot more netball content coming through uh, the, the course this week and into next as well. We've had to reschedule one of the interviews, but we'll uh, get that up and going for, for next week. But we look at section one and when we talk about powerhouse sides, and it's, uh, I know it probably gets a bit mundane and repetitive, but Diamond Creek women, uh, Diamond Creek one just keep getting the, the job done. They, um, they've been the, the powerhouse side forever and a day in our netball competition. And, and while they're sitting pretty in, in first spot in, in section one, North Heidelberg one is is 
pretty comfortable in second, but, but thereafter, a real logjam starting to develop, and we talk about the season now being uh, elongated, we've been able to uh, um, you know keep a, a few rounds, and, and means that we just push finals back a little bit more, but if you were to look at the, the ladder as it currently stands now, all of a sudden, it's a really exciting uh, conclusion coming up to uh, the remainder of the season, because you've got um, from third place North Heidelberg 2, down to the Fitzroy Stars, who are in seventh, there's only one win separating those sides, so it means that Every week, I'd imagine that that uh, top four is going to look vastly different, and uh, it's exactly what you want to see. Unfortunately for Heidelberg, they've they've slipped off the off the pace there. But mm. seven sides vying for finals in in the final month of the year is, is the perfect scenario, and it makes these late season home and away games really have a, a finals feel to them as well. Because one loss potentially is going to be the difference between finishing in, in potentially third or fourth, or seeing you miss out between 5th to 7th. Yeah, and it's yet another section and division in the entire Northern Football Netball League, which is going to have a, an extremely fun finish to see this section one. It's a massive last month ahead for it's North North Heidelberg 2 and 3, the the Heat 1, Diamond Creek 2 and Fitzroy Stars 1. It could potentially open up this week. It's uh, you got Fitzroy Stars, they face Diamond Creek 1 this weekend. you got North Heidelberg 1, they're facing the Heat, Heat 1 this week. But the biggest game of them all, it's North Heidelberg 3, in Diamond Creek too, that will have major implications for the loser, especially if the Heat, if the Heat and the Stars can somehow get the win against the unstoppable Bulldogs and Creekers this at the, weekend at the top end, and, and it's also pretty uh, 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 somewhat of a, a finals preview in, in Section Two as well. That competition we've talked about uh, for a number of weeks as well as to mm. um, obviously post grading, just how even things have uh, have become in, in the competition. But this weekend here, when we look at the ladder, there's one win from first through to fifth. Ivanhoe's just starting to just show some uh, some really good form. So they've moved into first spot. Ivanhoe won uh, ahead of Bandura won North Heidelberg five and Montmorency one. So they're all seven and three. And then Watsonia one is six and four. So that's probably looking at the uh, the sides who are going to push for finals, albeit with still a, a bit of uh, a bit of action still to be played. But but this weekend's really exciting because we talk about potential finals previews. And if the season wants to finish right now, how the sides actually sit potentially going into a finals is that actually how they match up this weekend so you've got Ivanhoe 1 up against Bandura 1 so that's first versus second at RMIT University mm-hmm. and then uh, a little later in the night uh, albeit uh, over at Latrobe Sports Stadium you've got third versus fourth with North Heidelberg 5 taking on uh, Montmorency 1 so maybe the the biggest beneficiary out of all this would be Watsonia 1 who they see the top four go at it. They can sit back and yep. uh, observe what goes on. They'll be favoured against North Heidelberg 4, who's directly below them on the ladder, but a couple of wins behind. So for, from a Saints perspective, they would think a win might well push them back inside the top four, but an opportunity to just see those top four sides uh, go hammer and tong and what should be a really exciting uh, Friday night of netball. Yeah, it, it's an def- exciting Friday night of netball across the entire netball, particularly the top two sections, sections one and two. As we've said, the, these two matches, they're absolutely massive. The first versus second third versus fourth it's what you want it's it'll be disappointing that don't think there obviously there won't be any crowds at the game but uh the latter i think it'll just open up that little bit more as well uh, along with section one particularly it could get tighter because of what's on your facing north heidelberg four but you never know in netball and in football as well yeah well what, what we do know for sure is we're looking forward to the action uh, of course as we say we, we we're of the restrictions in place and uh, i think everyone's uh, probably happy that the players can actually go out and, and do their thing and and let's hope by everyone doing the right thing that we're, we're all back out there and uh, and supporting the uh, the men and women and, and boys and girls out in the competition who are playing right around the league as well so another uh, bumper weekend coming up before we uh, 
go to the the interviews. I guess uh, a big weekend. Is there anything in particular, Josh, that uh, that catches your eye? But it's probably hard to, to narrow it down to one because there's so much going on this uh, this coming weekend. There's too much. To, there's too many great games that that are happening this weekend, both in the netball and the football. But. Uh, Look, you can't go past the Bulls and Roost this game. First versus second in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. But you also can't go past the, the final battle of the Bears. Banyol versus Thomastown at Beverly Road Oval. In those matches, ever since Banyol have come up from Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, there's an average margin of just under 20 points per game. In the, in the four games that have been close, it's just a, just under two goals as well. And nearly five, five points and four points only separated them the two times at Beverly Road Oval. And it's always high scoring at Beverly Road Oval. It's uh, it's going to be a ripper game. If It's going to have major implications, as we said, for, the, for whoever loses that game in the finals. Because... Banyol, if they lose, they go down to second. You'd think Global Plenty would get the win against St. Mary's. And Thomastown, if they lose, they'd probably drop down to fourth, given how Eltham play Epping this weekend. But it is a massive weekend of action across the entire Northern Football Nepal League. Yeah, we certainly can't uh, can't wait to get stuck into it. We're going to uh, conclude the, the program with a couple of interviews. First off, we'll have a chat with the coach of Banyol's men's football team, Paul Harris. That'll be uh, followed by another Harris. That'll be Warren Harris, the, the coach of Montmorency 1, ahead of uh, his side's uh, upcoming final uh, this weekend against Greensboro in Mervac Division 1 women. So we hope you enjoy those chats and uh, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the NFNL podcast. This year for TAC and AFL Victoria Road Safety Round. Everyone will wear a blue armband. A reminder that we all have someone to drive safely for. I'm wearing mine for my son, who we don't have today. For Dean. For my friends. For all the young families. Because I miss him. Because no one should have to go through what I went through. Everyone has their reason for wanting safer roads. What's yours? Share your story at tac.vic.gov.au forward slash band together and pick up a band from your local footy club to wear your support. Joining us on the NFNL podcast is the coach of Banyuls men's football team, Paul Harris. He signed at the weekend, getting back on the winner's list with a fantastic six-point win over the top of Eltham. Paul, thanks for joining us. It uh, was nice to be back out there after a, a couple of week delay. Your, your side, we're just saying off air, had one loss all year. You had to wait two weeks before you get back on the park. I'd imagine that uh, provided plenty of motivation and uh, obviously resulted in a, in a good performance at the weekend to get over the top of a, a good opposition in Eltham. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Um, yeah, you're right. It was uh, had to sit around and watch for, and sit on that loss for a little while, but um, it's good uh, just to be out playing footy again on the weekend. So, and obviously the win as well helped, but um, good just to be out in the park and uh, footy back on again. How have you found the campaign so far? Obviously, it was a, a very long wait after losing the, the grand final to, to get back out there. The side's been you know, pretty exceptional to, to now still be first on the ladder with, with two rounds remaining, uh, 11 wins, one loss. It's a, it's a great win-loss record, but how have you found the campaign as a whole, having to, I guess, wait so long to get back out there and then have a couple of disruptions along the way? Um, how have you found that in terms of not le- letting it halt your momentum as you, as you build towards finals? Yeah, the excitement at the start of the year was um, it was evident amongst the group. Obviously, everyone had waited a while, like every other club, and um, it could sort of go one or two ways. I think the, the uh, year off was either guys drop off or guys become really, really keen, and we are fortunate that we had a group that became really keen. So, um, yeah, started well, momentum really well, went really well, and then it's been fortunate the breaks have only been two weeks. So, um, you know, each time we've had it, there's a little bit, there's been some reasonable hope that we'll get back at least. So, the the worst case scenario would be that obviously we wouldn't get back, and uh, but each time there's been a little bit of hope that we uh, we will get back, and we have, so that's been great. 
to the weekend's game and it was uh, a really interesting one because uh, it seemed early on that uh, you had uh, you had the game somewhat in, in your control. You had a, a pretty handy lead in the first quarter. Then Eltham, probably either side of, of quarter time, really made their charge. They were up by as much as three goals during the second term. You then took complete control again in the in the third term and looked pretty comfortable going into three-quarter time. And, and then it changed once again and, and you really had to fight hard to hold on, especially in those uh, those dying stages with Eltham kicking a couple of late goals. But but what did you make of the game as a whole and in what many expect might be a game we might see again down the track in, in the final series. Yeah, Alston obviously a really, really good side. Um, they've lost a few close ones now to us and lower, so their win-loss ratio could be a lot different than what it is. Um, but they, they missed some early chances, which um, they you know, probably would have felt as if they should have been maybe in front at quarter time, and then obviously that when they uh, took ascendancy in the second quarter, that lead would have been greater. Um, so we were fortunate they gave us a bit of a look in in that first quarter, and um, yeah, took our chances. And then uh, we sort of just had to, we hung in there in that second, um, and then yeah, sort of as you say, got a little bit of control in the third when kicking with there was a, we had the advantage of the breeze in that third quarter, um, and then yeah, as you'd expect from Eltham, they uh, they come back at us, and we're fortunate fortunate enough that uh, when the final sign went, we were uh, still just in front. It's easy enough to say it when uh, you're watching from afar and, and you know, to call it from the cheap seats, but it, it probably gets overlooked so often, but just the importance of, of accurate kicking at goal. I mean, you, you talk about making the most of your chances. Um, obviously, you finished with 18 goals, eight. You were 15 goals from your, your first 19 shots at goal, whereas they went into three-quarter time, I think, with nine goals, 13. I mean, how much work do you put into it as a, as a coaching group that when players get out in the training track that they really, uh, I guess, practice the art of, of set-shot kicking, but also, I guess, those ones in general play? Because particularly as we get now closer to finals when, when the sides really start to even out, it, it could well be the difference between whether you're the one that lifts the cup at the end of the year and then or the one that has to, to watch on. Yeah, we're probably been fortunate that we've had some shockers um, in front of goal during the year. So the guys actually spend a fair bit of time before training and having shots. Um, but you still can't, as much as you sort of, you can practice at training, it's still, it gets a little bit different when there's a game and uh, there's a little bit on each kick. So I think... Uh, Fortunately for us on the weekend, it was uh, we kick straight, and uh, the guys can obviously keep practicing during the week, and um, hopefully, come finals time, um, we're kicking straight also because yeah, that scoreboard pressure early early doors in finals that we know with all the side, all the sides are going to end up finishing in the five each time any of the sides have played each other, so the game could go either way. So um, if you get chances early, they're really important. Taking uh, taking the most of his chances was Luke Joyce at the weekend. He kicked six straight. He's been a really good addition into the side. He was a player who's uh, had some senior experience at McLeod, but he's fitted in perfectly, it seems, in, in his first year at your club. Yeah, he's been really good for us. Um, obviously, not Manon Johnson not playing this year. Um, he fought, sort of wore the run of the uh, small... He was our only real small forward in 19. Um, so, yeah, Joyce coming on board with Nick Grabowski up there as well has been... Um, has had a little bit of leg speed in that forward line, and they've had dangerous round goals. And uh, he got on the end of a few on the on the weekend, which was great. But um, that forward group have been working really well together, and they sort of it, it seems that one of them pops up each week and sort of ends up with a four or five, or enjoys his casting weekend six. Down at the other end, um, I think it's probably been unheralded the importance of getting Nick Bisconton back into the side. He's been a, a Team of the Year defender, I think, in 2018 when he most recently played yep. with you. Obviously, he didn't uh, take to the field in, in 2019, but he, he slots back in and he's having uh, another good campaign at the weekend. Had a really good battle, um, uh, particularly early with, with Michael Steele, but just the importance of having him back in the lineup this year just to, to steady that, that back six. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, I obviously didn't know how good Biscuit was because I didn't see him in 18, but I'd... Uh 
he's, he's held really highly at the footy club, and so I'd heard a lot about him. But it was, and then when he came and uh, finally got the same play, it was like, you know, I understand what, what the guys are talking about now. Um, it was probably a good thing that I hadn't seen him leading into 19 because if you don't know what you've lost, you, you know, you don't worry about it. I would have been uh, very concerned had I known what I'd lost leading, what we'd lost leading into 2019. But um, great to have him back, though. Really good. Just the, the mix of, of the side. I mean, you've got um, some really young players that are, that are starting to come through. You know, players who are you know twenty one years and under. But how important is it for them to you know to go out each Saturday and, and you know play alongside the likes of uh, Ricky Dyson, obviously Brent Stanton when he's available as well. I'd imagine that, that's invaluable to to get that that on field coaching as well for these young kids coming through and just trying to make their way in senior footy. Yeah, it helps out for us on the sidelines. Um, and we've got some other guys that have um, played a lot of a lot of senior footy that. Are, Good voices out there and really help with our setups on the on the uh, on Saturday. So um, the more guys we've got out there instructing and uh, directing, the better off we'll be. And uh, we're fortunate that we've got a good group out there at the moment. Uh, of that, I mean, you've got a good group out there, but there's still a good group that's uh, still trying to get back into the lineup and, and hopefully force their way back in by, by finals time. And at the weekend, you didn't have Riley Lowton, who was called up for, I think, Richmond VFL. Mitch Lovell's still not in the side. Uh, Nick Grabowski, and, and the list goes on. I mean, it's going to be a headache come finals, albeit uh, one that coaches want to have when they get to finals, but uh, there's still some talent out of that lineup. How do you, how do you work on, on working those players back into the side, um, as I said, now getting into the pointy end? Yeah, so we've still obviously got a couple of weeks um, and a few of those guys, as you said, will be coming back in the next few weeks. Um, all of them sort of look like they'll be available for the week one of the finals. So, yeah, it'll be a bit of a juggling act on, um, yeah, what, who comes in. And um, But, you know, the guys that are in at the moment are doing a really, really good job. So, and they're, you know, making... They're, they're making a really good um, argument to be in the side as well at the come finals time. So, um, yeah, you're right. It'll be week one. It'll be... You know, there might be some tough conversations, but um, it's great for the footy club to be in that position. Uh, as it stands now, getting into that uh, that uh, final part of the season now, just two rounds to go. And as it's turned out, I mean, we prior to the the enforced break that we just had, you you took on Lowell Plenty. It was the only loss you had for the season, albeit you had a, a couple of players out. And I know the final scoreline says seven goals, but it was less than a kick. Um, you know, midway through time on, just about. And then you play Altham obviously the weekend and get the result. Now you come up against Thomastown this weekend. They're they're big games that I'm sure are getting going to be probably the ideal preparation, particularly given we've had some disruptions heading into this final series? Yeah, when we saw the fixture, we were really happy with the, our last month. Um, because disappointed, obviously, we missed out on playing Dymo at Dymo um, the week before Elton. Um, but, yeah, we, we knew having Dymo uh, sort of low plenty, then we was watching a Dymo into Elton at Thomastown, um, and then getting the opportunity to play out at Epping in the last game was a really good finish for us. So... Um, yeah, those close games are really important because it helps with decision-making, helps with, um, as we spoke about before, goal-kicking is a lot different when it's you know, all square or you're a couple of goals down versus you know, four or five goals up. So, um, yeah, great to be in that position with, with a few games to go before uh, finals. On Thomastown this week, I mean, it's been a, particularly when you've played at, uh, at your home ground, you, you two clubs have uh, produced some outstanding games and, and they generally go uh, pretty close to the, uh, or right down to the wire. You, you've both got so much to play for yourselves, obviously, um, with just percentage separating you from, from Lowell Plenty. You have to keep winning in order to get, you know, first place on the ladder and the week off in the first week of the finals for, for Thomastown. They're currently third and, uh, can't afford to, to drop a game between now and, and the end of the season in order to, to get the double chance in the finals. There's, there's plenty riding on it um, going into into Saturday's game. Yeah, there's heaps. It's, um, 
as you point out, Thomastown beat us on the weekend. They get their double chance, and and it will be playing against us. So it's just great. It's really good how tight the top five is. In the you know this, this result this week will mean there's two different sides in that qualifying final, depending on which way the uh, results go. So um, obviously we would uh, love to get that first week off in the finals. Um, so the aim is to beat Thomastown this week, but. Um, yeah, they've they've obviously got a fair few players, a fair few of their players back now, and um, had a good win on the weekend, and um, got everything to play for on the weekend. So, as you said, it should be a. Uh, there's been a few good clashes at our at our ground, and so they shouldn't be any different. And just one last one. I mean, not to, to focus too heavily on on individuals or, or not, but uh, Jack Langford's always a, a major X factor in the side, and and one that's probably when he plays well, obviously it uh, it, it brings others into the game as well. But just in terms of uh, the, the way he's played, I mean, he's kicked. Um, I think it's about 30 goals for the year. We know he can go into the Rockies. Spent time uh, even when he was at McLeod down back as well. For, for you as a coach, how how valuable is to have someone of uh, not only his ability but uh, his versatility to to be able to plug a hole if need be, but also to have a player who who's a, a genuine match winner when he can play across so many different parts of the ground. How, how vital does that make it for, for you as a coach to particularly coming into these big games to have someone who you can probably play anywhere on the ground and, and know you'll get a get an outcome? Yeah, he's really important. Um, as you say, he can play everywhere. And it's probably been to his own detriment in the past that he does get thrown around and play multiple positions and hasn't been able to settle in to a one spot. So he's mainly played mid-forward for us this year, um, spending a fair bit of time in the midfield, which I think he's benefited from because he's a Really hard matchup at sort of nearly two metres running around as a ruck rover. So, um, yeah, he's, a, he's had a really another good year. Um, he won our best and fairest in 19, um, and he'd be up there again this year um, yeah, on a great, yeah, as I said, kicking. I think, yeah, I think he's leading the goal kicking, and he's spent most of the time, most of his year in the uh, midfield. So, Hopefully you can lead that into finals. Well, uh, we really appreciate your time. Obviously, it's a great run home and a really important final two rounds of the, the home and away season. And then what is shaping is, uh, you know, the first year of having a, a top five in, in second division or the first time for, for quite some time. And it looks like it's going to be uh, one hell of a final series. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we wish you the best of luck uh, this weekend and, and then for the, the remainder of the season. And, and really appreciate you joining us in uh, this episode of the podcast. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for your time. At La Trobe University, you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life. You'll be inspired by thought leaders, change makers, and brilliant minds. Teachers who are mentors too. Learn from experts, then become one. Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. La Trobe University. All kinds of clever. Our next guest on the NFNL podcast is the coach of Montmorency's senior women's football team, Warren Harris. Warren, thank you for joining us. A great win at the weekend, and uh, by downing the uh, the VU Western Spurs, you've now booked the double chance in the final series. I guess a I guess a dual question to start off with. One, what was it like just being back out there, but then also getting back onto the field and having to go into such a crunch game first up against the Spurs on their home paddock. Yeah, it was first up. Yeah, it was great to get back out there. Um, the girls sort of were looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, to play VU. Well, we hadn't played them all year, so it was our first time to have a look at them. And uh, yeah, we it was good. We um yeah, we played very well, which I was happy with. It seemed to be it, uh, a really topsy turvy kind of start to the game. You, you got the jump on them in the first term. They fought right back in the second. Then you got the advantage again in the third, but you were able to hold on thereafter. Um, I mean. Given that we were off for a couple of weeks and limited training and, and whatnot, what is it? Uh, did the performance exceed the expectation from uh, from yourself as coach? 
Uh, as the game went on, yeah, like it was fairly windy, so it was really the wind was um, dictating the way the game played. Um, it was going to one end, so that was sort of the way the scores went for the first half. But uh, as the game went on, the girls um, yeah got better, and that that's yeah the result you know was was the way it went. How have you found that the season as a whole? The side's performed really well. Obviously, uh, to be second on the ladder, you're obviously clearly doing something right heading in now to the final series. But we know there's been uh, several disruptions, I guess, going back to even the, you know, the off-season when we didn't quite know what uh, the season ahead would look like. But to, to, get through, um, you know, to get through the first half of the season, to have a couple of weeks off, and then to get back and have another disruption, how's it been for you as a coach to try and manage the playing list, particularly when you're performing so well, to ensure that you're able to get back to the field and, and quickly return to winning ways. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, yeah, to keep them motivated, it's tough. Yeah, it's been been a difficult sort of season that way. So I'm not for everyone, I suppose. We'll we've all had to deal with it, and it's just, um, I suppose, it comes back to individuals how they um, how they respond. You know, when we come out back to play, and lucky enough, we've got a very young side that enjoy their football, and uh, they've come back pretty well this time. So it's been good. Um, for for you as a coach, you've been involved in uh, in footy right through the the NFL for for quite some time. Obviously, one of the more experienced players to, to play with uh, in terms of your games record. Now you've, you've coached at Montmorency in the women's program for for quite some time. But how have you found the the, the transition into to I guess uh, you know guiding women and, and now to have a side that uh, I know you've had success with them already, but to to get them now into the top flight and to be you know going into a final series with a double chance and, and looking like the real contenders. How have you found that that journey across to to now be mentoring these these young up and coming women, yeah, it's it's different. It's been it's a lot different. I I I've really enjoyed this year. Um, it has its challenges. Um, yeah, and and to step up, as you say, to step up into the first divisions, uh, it's what wasn't sure at first, but um, now we're there. I, I think we we believe we're, we're a big part of it, and uh, we've got a really strong program at Montmorency with our women's our women's um. Our women, you know, we've got the Division 2 side, Division 1 side, and they're both travelling pretty well. So, yeah, we've, we're doing something right. Between the, the, I mean, the first and the seconds, I know that the seconds, obviously, they're, they're going really well. They, um, you know, haven't lost a game this year, top top of the table uh, in, in their grade, and, and obviously they've still got one more round before uh, heading into finals. But uh, between the two sides, how closely do you, do you work with one another so that when players do come up from that side into yours, that they're, they're ready to go and, and understanding, uh, I guess, the game plan and, and what's their expectation when, once they come into the side? Yeah, we've we train together always. We don't sort of split up and and train separately. But uh, it, we haven't really. It, we've had a few girls come up and a few girls go down, but not a lot. Um, we've tried to keep both sides as balanced as we can. Um, it's it's been tough, you know. This is our second season with um, having two teams, and to manage that, uh, you you've got to do a lot of work. Um, it's you know it's new. You know, like most sides are only lucky enough to have one so we've been really lucky that you know this is our second season of um having two teams you know the first year was a struggle this year's been a lot better um and we've been very lucky with the caliber of the girls that have come down to play and uh so that that's helped a big big 
big time, you know. I'd imagine the quality of the girls. I'd imagine, I mean, it's clearly a challenge to, to be able to juggle both, but it's a, it's a great challenge and probably a, a headache that, that most clubs would love to have. But the program at Montmorency from the, the junior girls and now obviously expanding through to the senior women's has become one of the, I guess, ones that um, most people would look at in terms of a, of a pathway to how the club's been able to really embrace the, the female football program. So I'd imagine that while it brings its challenges, it's something that's extremely rewarding for everyone who's been part of that program to, to see you know, the, uh, the fruits of, of all the hard work. Oh, that, that's for sure. You know, I've been, my, my daughters have all played at Montmorency. They started when the program started at Montmorency in the, uh, the juniors and right through the seniors. And, you know, I've got four playing, or all five of them are playing. And, um, you know, I've got to watch it happen and develop. And, yeah, it, it has. It's, it's really leaps and bounds. We've, um, we, oh, I'm, I'm proud of the way the girls are playing. Um, we, we've been lucky enough. I think COVID may have helped us out because we have two seasons of under 18 girls come through in one year um, because we missed a season so the, the two years ago under 18 girls come up and then last year's under 18 girls come up so we've been lucky that we had an influx of girls this year that, that, that have come through so that that's helped out and it's uh you're right it is rewarding um to see the way it's, the, the way it's going um if, if we can... it, it has its challenges yeah that's for sure <laughs> If we can just go back to the weekend's game now, and, and obviously, as I said, it's uh, coming off a, a two-week break. You're coming up against, or you came up against the, the reigning Premier and, and to play them on, on their home paddock. Did you, I mean, going into the game, I know it's off a short preparation, but did you, I guess, build it up as a, as a potential final, given the fact that you know that if you win, you, you get a double chance in the finals. If you lose, there was every chance you were going to finish the season in fifth, and then every final from there in, in the top eight series becomes an elimination final. Did that get stressed on the players at any stage, or did you just allow them to, to play their natural game yeah i think it was just to let them play the natural game we're having the, the couple of weeks break it was more about just getting them back out on the, the park and playing um you know no pressure just go and play some football and we'll see what happens from there and uh, obviously it's great to, to get through with the result against uh, such a great opposition and, and i know it's one you haven't played this year but uh, obviously the, the vu have been one of the, the powerhouse sides in the Northern Football Netball League women's competition over over the past couple of years, but uh, it now presents a, a great opportunity for your club. You're, you're going to the finals this weekend. It's amazing. Uh, as much as the year as a whole has been a, a drag in some ways with the challenges to overcome, but it's amazing to think we're now into the finals and we start with a, a quadruple header on Sunday at Epping Rec Reserve where you're scheduled to play in the, the second qualifying final against Greensborough um, and the winner of that obviously to, to progress through to a preliminary final. The loser still lives to fight another day but an exciting time when you now get to, to finals footy and, and really get to, to face the, the best sides in it with the opportunity to at the end of the year if all goes well hold up a premiership cup well yeah that's where, where we started at the start of the year we were hoping to get to just even be in the, the top you know four or five sides um we we got to that position so you know uh, the, the challenge is now to to keep performing and move forward um, you know, three games. I think that it, that it, there is left for us to play if we were to go all the way. So, you know, we know we've got to work hard. Um, it's not going to come easy. Um, so, we will. Um, you know, each week we'll we'll just look at that game and and work with that and try to and move forward. With uh, this week's opponent, Greensboro, if I'm right, you haven't played them since grading. So it's, I know you did play them earlier in the year and, and you beat them well on, on their ground, but obviously it's been a, a long time since that. How do you prepare for, for that game there, um, given the fact we know obviously it's big stakes, a, a chance to, to go straight through to a prelim, but uh, how do you prepare for the opposition for this week? Um, yeah, we'll have a look at their side. Um, 
as you said, we haven't played them since you know early in the season, so don't really remember much um, as it was grading. Um, we weren't sure where sides were going to fit, um, but you know the way it was, they come up in the first division. So yeah, we're looking for looking forward to it. Um, it should be a, a great challenge for the girls um, to step up and uh, play a really good brand of football. You've obviously had uh, some of the leading players in the competition over recent years. Obviously, the, your skipper and Nicky Blythe, a, a two-time competition best and fairest winner. But uh, you must be wrapped with the development of, of some of the youngsters uh, through the side. I know that uh, the, the coaches MVP voting before it was uh, closed off, but players like Emily Beanland and, and Shay Collinson, who I believe are in their first year of senior women's football, uh, you know, were right up there in the voting. You must be wrapped with the way that uh, some of the youngsters have emerged across the, the course of this season. Oh, there's no doubt about it. They've stepped right into women's football. They, they haven't even taken a step back. They've um, they've played some really good games, um, and they keep amazing each week we go out and play. You know how well they they um, they want to learn, and um, they just want to play football. And we, as you say, with Nikki, you know, having having these young girls come through now, Nikki's able to not have to be the the you know take the whole brunt of the the side. You know, she can now just be part of that team. Um, you know, with these other young girls coming through, it really makes it a lot easier for her to play football. Um, and with her leadership out there, she makes, you know, she really, the girls girls look up to her. Um, and, you know, it, it makes it easy for everyone. You know, you're not sort of relying on two or three players. We've got a good balance of girls. As you said, with all these young girls coming, we've got, you know, we've got quite a few that have come through and they're playing some really good football. Well, uh, we're certainly looking forward to, to watching uh, them in action throughout the, the course of the final series. So well done on, uh, on booking your place in the finals and, and for taking that double chance in. Uh, we look forward to, to seeing how you, you travel over the course of the next month and, and we wish you all the very best for that and, and really appreciate you joining us in this episode of the NFNL podcast. No, thanks a lot, Sam. I really appreciate that. Um, give me the time to speak about the girls. I appreciate it. Thank you.